the future of work and the future for workers is changing. From new technologies and talent strategies to the management of tomorrow's workforce. Tap in to Manpower Group Talent Solutions' 60 years of expertise and join us for the Transform Talent Podcast, your guide to talent market trends, new technologies, and winning talent solutions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Transform Talent Podcast, hosted by Manpower Group UK. This is episode two in our series, uh, focusing on builders of talent. So in this episode, we're going to be concentrating on upskilling. We know that global talent shortages reached a 16-year high during 2022, and Gartner predict further increases in technology demand in 2023. We're all having to be far more creative when it comes to attracting and retaining the right talent for our businesses now and for the future. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about what it means to build your own talent, not via the traditional grad schemes or apprenticeship programs, but with professionals who are really motivated to learn. Looking at those in their early to mid-careers with an average of two to five years experience and really really focusing on how we invest in their talent and their development to upskill them, bridge skills gaps in future talent pools and our workforces. So I introduce myself, I'm Georgina Huntley, Talent Director and Board Director at Manpower Group UK. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Georgia Byrne, Client Director at Manpower Group. And most importantly, we'd like to welcome our very special guest, Jimmy Williams, who is Group Project Management Capability Manager at Babcock, a global aerospace defence and nuclear engineering services company. So let's get straight into the conversation. And firstly, Jimmy, after that introduction, can I come to you and ask you just to explain what it is that you do at Babcock as a Group Project Management Capability Manager? Of course. Uh, firstly, uh, thank you very much for inviting me here today. It's absolutely fantastic forum to uh, talk about development and uh, resource strategies that are readily available on the market today and, and something that we're going to be looking into um, over the next half an hour or so. So my role in Babcock is part of a larger group um, called the Group Project Management Function. So broadly speaking, uh, the team is responsible for people, ways of working and tools and technology in all things project management and the disciplines therein, such as project controls. My part of those three pillars um, is in people, which covers capability development of project professionals from both an upskilling and a capacity building perspective. So we do things like um, building contemporary career frameworks, which have clear roles for responsibilities. We look at routes uh, to competence. We also look at deploying uh, learning through creation and curation of uh, new resources, um, something that we subsequently haven't done before. Um, and finally, we look at something a little bit unusual, which is recognizing and developing resource supply solutions that we probably wouldn't have investigated something like Train to Fit, which we're going to talk about today. Okay, so Jimmy, thanks for explaining what it is that you do at Babcock. For the listeners that we've got on the listen to the podcast, can you give us a bit of a, an explanation of, of Babcock as a whole and, and what Babcock is um, and what they do? Of course. So um, Babcock is a global organization, a massively um, diverse portfolio. So the business revolves around naval engineering, support systems. We also look at critical services in both uh, defense and civil environments. And to give you sort of a rough flavor of that diversity, um, we do things such as deliver high value technical engineering support to a swath of platforms such as ships, submarines, land and aviation defense. But we also look at things like owning, maintaining and developing critical infrastructure, including civil nuclear projects and everything in between. It, it's 
it's so comprehensive. And this is a global endeavor. So we look at different locations, such as our Canadian counterparts are involved, South Africa, France, obviously the UK and Australasia as well. Lovely. Thanks, Jimmy. So just on your build strategy then, what made you start either thinking about that in a slightly different way or thinking that you needed a slightly different solution? Really, what triggered that in your in your business? It was partly due to necessity. So around about 18 months ago, I was approached by our one of our HR directors with some very clear but equally frightening statistics, which highlighted the way that the UK is operating in the recruitment space at the moment. So at the time, um, I think we were looking at around about 1.3 million vacancies across the UK, circa wow. 4% unemployment, give or take. Obviously, this was 18 months ago, so those statistics <laughs> have changed. But that presents us with some real challenges and our current supply solutions may not answer the questions that these present. So some of the characteristics that we have is um, a competitive marketplace. There's plenty of organizations that are operating in and around engineering and beyond. And subsequently, there's a scramble for all of this uh, resource that's, well, not available in this instance. We have a UK-wide skill shortage. Um, I think it's the highest in 15 years, now 16 years, now that we're uh, 18 months down the line. And we actually have resource shortages around some of our key locations in Babcock. So um, we're disparately based around the UK. And unlike uh, your Londons and your Manchesters um, and your Leeds and your Liverpools, um, because we're situated a little bit further afield, sometimes it's difficult to draw in talent. So mm. we had to look at um, a slightly different build strategy and as a result, we looked at this alternative solution. And it's not to say that we're discounting other build strategies or buy strategies or borrow strategies. It's just what can answer the emerging challenge that is related to all the stats that I've just given. Mm. Yeah, oh, re- really, really interesting. Thanks, Jimmy. So, and as you referenced, so you decided to work with our specialist uh, technology brand, Experis, here within Manpower Group. So you looked at an academy solution and more specifically the train to fit solution. And it was for project managers within the Babcock business. So how does that fit with your overall talent strategy? Did it fit with your build strategy? Was it something completely brand new? Was it quite complementary to what you were already doing? Was it completely kind of fresh? And I guess, did how did you have to think differently about the people that you were selecting? Was it more based on behaviours? Was it more based on ability? Was it more based on personality and or cultural fit? Because actually you weren't looking for the perfect candidate that had exactly the right experience on the CV, but you had to be a little bit more open-minded, I'm guessing. Yeah, so, well, the, f- the first part of that question, it's complementary to all the other supply solutions that we have. So it's not the de facto perfect solution for everything. Um, we still look at graduate intakes. We still look at apprentice intakes. We, and we also look at direct recruitment um, and utilization of contingent and agency staff. However, each of those um, options have specific characteristics, specific traits. So if we look at the graduate scheme, um, our graduate scheme is absolutely fantastic. It's two plus years to competence. Um, It's primarily directed towards your entry or early careers roles. Apprentice is much the same. You're looking at four plus years, lead time to competency. Direct recruitment covers a range of roles that could be occupied from entry through to intermediate into mastery roles. But we wanted to look at analogous industries and the behaviours that people have out in industry that could occupy the roles if we ignore 
things like specificity. We're so precise in our requirements sometimes that um, unfortunately, I think this is a UK-wide thing. There's an awful, awful lot of people with incredible qualities out there that mm. get, get discounted mm. simply because we look at the content of their CV and they may not have something so precise that we go, actually, let's sift them out. Mm. Well, that person with the right platform, with the right training up front could be far greater than that person that you would originally just push straight into a role simply because uh, they tick a number of boxes. And that gave us an opportunity to think, okay, what are the characteristics that we'd like to see if we're going to sift? If we're going to look through all of these CVs, what do we want to see? And and Babcock have six very clear principles. So we look at um, be kind, I think, is is a given. We'd like people to be courageous. We want them to be collaborative. We want them to think outcomes, own and deliver. And we want them to be inquisitive or curious. You tick those boxes, actually, you see, you, you're starting to look like the person that matches the profile that we would like to have engaged in our organization. Now, an awful lot of those characteristics are really, really, really difficult to teach. That There's a number of um, formal learning or academia options that encourage that. But in reality, um, process can be taught. Those stuff, uh, the, the things that I just mentioned, are principles. Sometimes it pains me to say it. You either have them or you don't. They're, mm. they're really, really difficult. I think we all know, I, I think I... I'm not sure if this is, this is a little bit anecdotal, but I know plenty of people that I think I'd love to have you as part of the organization, but what are you missing? You're missing a piece of paper, certificate or academia. But in reality, if they were brought into the organization, they would excel. And I think that we, we all know that character or several of those types of characters. Mm. And that is what Train to Fit is essentially all about. Let's go find the person with the right behaviors, the right emotional quotient, emotional intelligence, bring them in, we'll teach them what they're missing the academia, um, and let's give them a platform a, a platform for growth. Um, and we have that platform, luckily. I think this is a really interesting point. Just to highlight this here is, is as we move forward and skills are changing and demands are changing, and, you know, we talk about not, not knowing now what we will need in 10, 15 years time, honing in on that as you say, the inherent behaviours and, and capability of someone uh, is is so important for us as organisations to understand what is the fit for our, our company and, and the skills we can train them, the skills we can, the hard skills we can teach them, but we have to get that cultural fit right first. Um, and, and then we've got opportunities. So that mindset shift, I think, is really important to for people to start thinking about if they're not already. Yeah, because yeah, we we must have gone through, and Georgie, you'll be going through this in terms of our own academy practices, right? And our own mm -hmm. academy solutions about recruiters, and particularly over the last couple of years, recruiter was in such high demand in any any type of capacity for a recruiter, right? So we mm -hmm. had to think differently, even within our own company, about who do we attract, how do we engage them, how do we train them. So I guess you've you've gone through some of that over the last couple of years and continue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think one thing that it connects to um, a little more broadly is is the responsibilities we as, as large employers in the UK have from a societal impact and supporting some social social mobility, uh, where, we're, where we're looking at those with the, the softer skills and those inherent characteristics to be able to bring them into sustainable employment. So it, it, it does, um, it, it has been a, a shift in the way that we look at, at hiring people. I can remember, I cast my mind back to when we were initially developing this provision. We sat around the table and said, okay, if we took away all of the formal learning from somebody's CV, what are the things that you would like to see an individual bring to the table? Um, and there was a lot of a commitment to learning, um, commitment to self-improvement, a growth mindset. I already mentioned emotional intelligence. Well, how do we actively seek out those types of people? 
And I think, again, I talk about the right platform for it. Um, we utilized your good selves in manpower to actually do a cognitive test and say, actually, who um, doesn't scream about uh, who doesn't scream and shout about that on their CV? Nobody really does. They talk about you know certification. Um, let's weed out the people that show all of these attributes that we want, and we can build the rest. And so far, we'll touch on it later. We we have rolled out a schedule specialist equivalent of Train to Fit campaign, and I'm I'm very proud of that campaign. And um, we have twelve absolutely fantastic individuals who are excelling in our organisation as a result. Um, and I hope they don't mind me saying this, but Historically, they may not have fit the bill if they'd gone for direct recruitment, but subsequently their growth mindset, um, their capability to deliver and taking on our principles um, has allowed them to excel and then some in our organization as schedule specialists. And I think that we'd be remiss to discount it as an appropriate supply solution simply because we don't want to put a little bit of work in up front to ensure that we enable these people to succeed. That's a really good point, isn't it? And Georgie, we've probably come across this within manpower groups. Yeah. So sort of testing a new solution, which Jimmy, you've done with the Babcock business. You've 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 tested that in kind of smaller cohorts of people, right? But that future thinking of how do we do this at scale mm. as one of the biggest employers in the UK, how do we look at scaling this? And what does that then do to our business? What, how does our tech stack support that? How does our hiring manager engagement change? So I think in terms of the future thinking, it's great to already hear that you're already thinking about things like that, right? Mm. Uh, exactly that. So again, it kind, of, it kind of comes back to the the necessity to do so. And I think we've exhausted a number of our existing resource options. And this really allows us to try something new um and there was a little bit of trepidation in the first instance about delivering something like this there's always going to be if you're introducing something new but i think that as i suggest with our principles uh, it takes a few people to be courageous and they subsequently have and it's paid dividends mm. um I, i'm uh, as you can tell by my tone i'm absolutely over the moon by uh, this sort of thing and and with this, Jimmy, because it's, you know, you, you build the concept, you build the idea, you bring people along on the journey. Um, but did you did you find any barriers or did you have to convince people in your business, maybe in leadership, that they needed to try this different route or they needed to consider something different? And and if if so, how did you go about that? Yeah, as I mentioned before, I suppose there's a, a degree of trepidation Uh People go, actually, do I really want to commit to this? You, you hear terms such as, actually, what's my responsibility in all of this? Uh, which, which is a valid question. Is this going to, is this going to create a, a lag on, on my team's ability to deliver? Absolutely not. Um, so what we tried to do is first get recognition of the problem that we said in the first instance. We've exhausted all these other, uh, other avenues. What else can we do? So train to fit is the something else. Mm -hmm. So our business uh, leaders are acutely aware of the issue and, and subsequently, they become champions for it, um, which is great um, because that actually opened an awful lot of doors. Then we needed the people um, who were delivering day in, day out on distinct projects to commit to it as well. We had a few volunteers. And again, that was through the fact that actually I've exhausted all of these options. What else can I do? Well, we have an option for you. We're going to remove as much of the burden um, in recruitment as humanly possible. And, and you can be a test bed for whether this is successful or not. Now, it could have gone one of two ways. It could be um, a complete failure or it could be a success, which it has been. But I do think that in our organization, we have people open-minded enough to say, actually, I do want to try something different. 
Yeah, that's good. And I mean, I from from experiences that that I have in in that world as well. It's it's sometimes um, recognizing the value to the or the pain point. It's a bit like in you know in sales. It's understanding that that pain point that the leadership has or the organization has, and being able to talk to that. So you're translating or narrating it in in a slightly different way depending on the audience that you need to influence and bring along on the journey. But it sounds like the mindset of Babcock is uh, is definitely one that is open to these different opportunities. So um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and. Uh, Pushing on practically already open doors makes it that much easier <laughs> um, and having some fantastic business champions to allow you to experiment with something new such as Train to Fit is is great. That's kind of it. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked through um, the approach that you took to it and, and sort of the reasons and the considerations. Mm-hmm. What what results, if we can just, you, you touched on it slightly, but what success and what, what results have you seen so far for the business from taking on the, the slightly different approach of Train to Fit? So... I would suggest we saw immediate success. So using our strategic workforce planning data, um, it was pretty clear that we needed to occupy a number of roles in our organization. Um, In this instance, they were the schedule specialist roles. There were slightly more than 12, but we decided to experiment with a smaller cohort of 12. Um, We've subsequently occupied those roles with people that we think are absolutely perfect for said role. As a result, the the following success is that people can see the value of utilizing uh, Train to Fit as an appropriate resource supply solution. And we now are moving on to creating two new cohorts of 12 of project managers, um, another cohort of schedulers. Um, and then in the future, um, we'll be looking at introducing project controls as a new area that we would tap into. I would say it was a testament to the quality that was brought in. So we have uh, credible partners in yourself in Manpower. We have a credible partner in ILX who deliver our training. We have the perfect platform to allow these people to grow. And it's a testament to the quality of the 12 people that came in. Um, And collaboratively, if you think about those four distinct groups, if they hadn't come together at the time they had, and this had subsequently been a failure, we wouldn't be looking at the preceding four cohorts that are going to be introduced into the business and the business recognized that and they've seen it and said actually i want a little bit more which is always good as opposed to mm, let's just see how this transpires mm, yeah and, and jimmy just on the time scales of the train to fit solution what, what were you looking at in terms of getting them into the business going through 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 that training program what <laughs> what, what are we talking here weeks months what were the so, time scales so the timeline for the Train to Fit program is is relatively straightforward. Uh, we have a demand signal coming from our organization saying that I need X amount of this type of individual. Um, we build a curriculum, um, an appropriate academia curriculum. We run all of our new starts through that curriculum over the span of seven to eight weeks. Once they've completed all of their um, training, they get deployed into the organization for 12 months. Um, so that eight weeks is extremely important. So it's mm. familiarity with the organization, um, first and foremost, is actually familiarity with the process that they'll be using. It gives them, um, instills them with a level of confidence that they may not have necessarily had before, even though they've come from an analogous area of industry. But it enables them they best the best they can, and it allows us to drop them in from day one, at least hit the ground jogging. It would be um, unfair of me <laughs> to say hit the ground running, because I don't think anybody does, regardless of whether you're a direct um, recruitment or not. So in totality, we're looking at around about 14 months. And when you look at it compared to other build strategies, it's significantly faster. Uh, mm. faster. We use mm. accelerated time to competence. And I think it's, again, it 
ideal place for somebody to cut their teeth once they've been trained how to operate in that environment. Mm. Yeah, super. Thank you. Is there anything, Jimmy, having gone through this, obviously you're a massive fan of this build strategy for Babcock. We can uh, we can see how passionate you are. I think about that's pretty it, obvious, sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there any advice that you could give other companies that Aviva started thinking about different build strategies and not thinking about it at all or haven't been? Or as we kind of move into, we're in 2023 now, and things might be slowing a little bit for some organisations. So this might be an opportunity to take a bit of a breather and think, have we got the right solutions in place? <laughs> Are we missing anything? We might have a little bit more time on our hands now. Is there anything that you would give them in terms of advice if they were looking to do this for the first time? I probably shouldn't do this on a podcast, but um, <laughs> I'm going to answer the question with a question. Um, <laughs> so... I suppose I'd pitch this question to most people if they were looking at a build strategy. I think it takes a little bit of time to for people to reflect on this, but over the duration of your um, recruitment strategy, whether if you look back over five years or 10 years, how many incredible candidates do you think that you may have lost as a result of the specificity of your requirement? And that uh, and this campaign, something like Train to Fit, will allow you to pick up those incredible candidates and sometimes I, I think actually that, again, going back to the point that I made earlier, it's a shame that we hadn't picked up people simply because we hadn't had our build strategy together. Um, mm. And subsequently, they've gone on to um, wonderful things in other organizations. Mm. But that specificity of requirement has discounted them from from what we do. And I think that if any organization sits there and thinks, actually, I have a little bit of time to develop something like a build strategy, like Train to Fit, let's give everybody what they need up front and deploy them they should absolutely take that opportunity um, to do so and it really only complements all of the solutions that you have in place already it's not um, going to overtake anything that you have yeah, lovely thank you very much well i have another question oh you. another <laughs> and this was from our last guest so paul bangu he's um leading on the evp efforts at bt and he was on our last podcast now we asked him the question paul you won't know who our next guest is so please think of a question to someone in the talent space uh someone in a talent related role and he thought of a really really difficult question jimmy so <laughs> you're gonna have to uh, think on your feet here you, he will, you, you can track him down on LinkedIn. I, I can will. even send you the link to his profile. Um, <laughs> so a question relating to data and metrics. So in any organisation, irrespective of size or market sector, <laughs> most decisions or we hope most decisions will be based on uh, data. So Paul's question to you is how does data impact you on a daily, monthly, weekly basis in your own job there at Babcock? And how much do you trust that data that you're getting to make those decisions? That Not an easy one. one. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> thank you, um, Paul. I am going to sort of answer from a capability development perspective. So, so if we look at our community as they are today, the, let's say the project management community, it's, sometimes it can be really difficult to ascertain what qualities they have, what competence they have. Uh, and I think most organizations deploy some form of um, learning competency management system or competency framework. And 
if you don't do that, and obviously that's very data-centric, if you don't do that, you, then you could be arbitrarily deploying training to people that they may not necessarily need. So um, a day-to-day -day job for me is to review the competency development within our organization. And subsequently, every six to 12 months, we run competency reviews, competency self-assessments. We take that data and using something called competency-linked learning, um, it allows us to justify very quickly um, and identify what's the appropriate formal learning or um, prescribed application of said learning that the individual needs to ensure that they're actually developing in their role or aspirational roles. So um, two schools of thought, uh, do you build your competency based around the role that you're occupying? Actually, if you're you're not competent in that, in that role, then you should do. If you're at the top of said role and you have all the competencies that you require, um, you should be looking at an aspirational role, the next role, and you should be building your competency around that. So all of our competency development at present is data-driven. We want to see where you are sound severe, incompetent, but we also want to respond in kind and just say, look, actually, if you are, you can raise your hand. Um, let's get you on the right track to get you to where you need to be. And that's how we currently use our data. So, Paul, thank you for that one. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you, Jimmy. Okay, and now it's your turn. So, you can ask any question of your choice to our next guest. You don't know who it's going to be. Again, it will be someone in a uh, talent-related role. Um, so, go for it. What What would be your next question to our next guest, Jimmy? I didn't want to be nearly as cruel, um, but <laughs> it's so difficult to uh, pitch a question to somebody when you don't know what their, you know, their forte is. But uh, mine is, so which characteristics should an organization demonstrate to be a, an employer of choice? And how would you demonstrate those traits? So maybe that one is a little bit difficult. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one, but very topical, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I tried uh, to stay on track for once. You did. Thank you very much. I think that's a great question and I will look forward to hearing uh, uh, what the next guest has to say on that one. I um, have no doubt my name is Mud. <laughs> the same as Paul's to me. We'll also be sharing your LinkedIn profile to the oh, next yeah. guest as well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> be <Yeah>. prepared. <laughs> um, but look, I, I think we've had some really good conversation here and, and certainly focusing on that builders of talent piece and, and how to consider a build strategy. If people aren't already on um, that journey, then I think there's some really great nuggets of wisdom from you, Jimmy. Um, so thank you so much for your uh, your contribution today. Um, and Georgia, my partner in crime in delivering this series of Talent Sustainability Podcast. To all of our listeners, if you would like to understand your own talent sustainability maturity, uh, Manpower Group has developed a framework. Uh, speaking of competency frameworks <laughs> and how you can really assess and use data. Perfect segue, Jimmy. So we've developed a, a framework that will help your businesses to measure, improve and track your talent practices against those critical to becoming a real talent-centric organisation. Um, the framework that we've created consists of 56 uh, multiple-choice questions and the assessment is called the Talent Sustainability Quotient. Uh, the results then give your organisation a real benchmark on your talent maturity model and help you then define what your strategy is moving forward. So do please check it out on our Talent Solutions UK website or in the show notes that you'll be able to see here. Um, so that leads me just to say a big thank you. Uh, we look forward to our next podcast and thanks to Jimmy and Georgia. Thank you Thank very you. much for inviting me. The Transform Talent Podcast because we know the right talent transforms organizations and helps your business flourish. Talent solutions, business and talent aligned. <laughs>